You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I've been praying for everyone here for the past number of weeks, so I, I just can't start this without praying for you. Even as I was standing down here, and first, my name is Chris Sigrilis. I teach in the art department. Um, when I was down here, I had this picture of a little child and with dirt all over that little child's face. And just a warning, when the Holy Spirit just moves on me, I start to cry, so don't get uncomfortable. I'm not upset. I'm happy. Um, and I saw this little child, beautiful little child with dirt on its face, and the child's identity was in the dirt. But I saw the father looking at this congregation, the congregation of Asbury, wiping the dirt away, and I felt the Father's love over this congregation. You don't even know the depth of the love the Father has for you. You just don't know. And um, hopefully we can delve into that a little bit more. But as I start, I just really want to pray for everybody. I'm just going to tell you that as I've been praying, I've been in my mind's eye seeing Jesus going through Hughes and touching people and wanting for you to actually experience the promise of the Father. See, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. These are disciples who had already seen amazing miracles, but something was so important that they couldn't start, the church couldn't even start, the ministry could not start until they'd received the promise of the Father, where God actually tabernacles with us in our hearts and lives with us forever. This is the goal. It's, it's better than the Garden of Eden. So I'm going to pray right now for a couple different things. One, I'm going to pray that as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit will just come. He's here right now, and you will have a sense of Him. Even as I'm speaking, even if you forget what I say, I want you to encounter Him. And then also, I had a sense that there's people, a lot of folks come in here with different conditions, and I've seen the Lord just do this in His love. He's seeking you out, I have a sense that Lord wants to just heal a number of people. Just as I'm talking, that He is just seeking you out. So, numbers of different things. I, I kind of in my heart, I saw folks with dislocated shoulders, some kidney issues. Um, folks, obviously, there's folks with flu, but um, things that you think are impossible, there's nothing impossible for the Lord. And He wants to intimately touch you. Okay? So, let's pray. Would you just receive and just pray with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with us. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I know you're always with us, but we ask that you would open our eyes to see you, reveal, reveal yourself to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just ask right now that as people are sitting, that they would have a sense of your presence right now over their entire body, over their, in, in any kind of basic need they have, that you would heal them right now. I pray against any sickness. I pray against pain in your body. I pray against things that are broken, dislocated joints. I pray against um, if folks have vision problems. I pray you would clear those up, Lord. I pray for folks who've suffered abuse. I pray that you would touch them, that you would come to that, that place. I pray for folks right now who have issues in their mind that they feel like they're captive in their own mind, that you would heal them right now, Lord. You would come and touch them. Even now, just come and just rest upon them in, in your love. All right. Amen. Okay, so let's get started here. 
It works. Let's get started here. In the beginning, what's really amazing about Scripture is that in the first three verses, something I love is that the Holy Spirit shows up in the first three verses. And now, I am not a Bible scholar, but I'm just going to talk about the Bible here for a little bit, is that there's this principle that I understand, a Jewish principle of the first time you see something in Scripture. The first time you see something is really important. And I think it's very, very interesting. I know we're talking about creativity and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to try to put all this together for you here, is that the very first verb in Scripture, the very first verb is created. It's the first primary way we know the Lord. It is not, now, all of these things are important. Every way he reveals himself to us is so important. It's not salvation, and we desperately need that. It's not the Lord our healer, which desperately need that. It's not the Lord who is holy. But it's, in the beginning, God created, the creator God. Right there, we see something. And then I want you to come into the mystery of this. I know so many times when we speak and we think about the word of God and we think about the Lord, we forget that he is not bound by space and time. He is omnipresent. He is immutable. He's all of these things together. And so he sits in this place, and time is a construct where he can enter and, and, and leave that space, but he is not bound by that unless he decides to step into that. So one thing we see here is that God created, and then the second verse says, the earth was formless and void, which is interesting to me because I'm teaching 2D right now, and those are design terminology. Form. This is what we're talking about. I mean, I'm just teaching about form. They had to write a paper on form. It's creating this three-dimensionality, this structure out of something, or for the Lord, out of nothing, ex nihilo. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. I don't completely understand what that means. <laughs> and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, I've heard some folks talk about this, that, in, that this has a sense that he's actually mixing materials like an artist. He's actually mixing them. And um, so, we're looking at this, and I want you just to imagine, number one, did this come out of nowhere? No. So I imagine that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son have been planning this for a long time. Whatever time means to the Lord outside of time. Time is, our con is a construct we live in. But they didn't just say, oh, let's just do this. They had planned every molecule in the distant reaches of the material world. And this is not even to say that the material world is all that's been created. There's nothing here that suggests that the spiritual world, that angels weren't already there. I can't tell you that. I, this is a mystery area here. But the Lord had been planning this. The Lord is one, and he'd been planning this. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son had been planning everything that we see. Everything that we see. He'd been planning it, and then he comes in and starts the work of the artist. He is the primary artist, and he starts to create. And the interesting thing enough is that in his imagination, and imagination is the key here, God's imagination is holy and beautiful and perfect. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today is us walking in a sanctified imagination. And then out of his imagination, how does he create? He speaks, right? He speaks forth. And so the word that he releases, because his faith is perfect, creates everything. It's amazing. This is why you know, there's a part of when, when Jesus speaks to the fig tree, if you remember in the New Testament, and then it just withers. Or when he says, reach out your arm, 
and then the arm is restored. This is reflecting early creation. It's out of nothing. Something is coming, and he having authority over the elements, okay? So we see this first here. Next, <clears throat> who are we in this situation? Now, this is something that has occurred to me that I think is just really amazing about the Lord. We are perfectly placed. I think about it this way. Imagine an hourglass like this. We are sitting right in the center of an hourglass in that kind of, just imagine that kind of shape, right? We are sitting, and then everything bigger than us, the universe, is, is this infinite space. And then there's this, also this, it's seemingly infinite space on the microscopic subatomic level. So I view us this way. I view us that we are perfectly placed to see the glory of God. Does everybody understand? Yes? So we are perfectly placed. It's not by chance we are the size we are. It's not by chance we're here. I mean, even the scripture in Romans, it says, um, hopefully I'm remembering that correctly, it says that God has ordained where you should be born, where you should live, even kind of the street you live on. Even, I was thinking about this morning, even your roommate in your dormitory. He's ordained that you be there. He, everything is in his hands. Now, let's move forward. So we see the Lord here primarily as God the creator. First way the Lord reveals himself, and we see that the Holy Spirit himself is in the middle acting in this space. Now next, let's move to Exodus here to Exodus 35, 30. Next, we see a portion of redemption happening here. Now, I don't know if you noticed this. I know you may, maybe you've heard this, but the first person in the Scripture to be officially filled with the Holy Spirit was an artist. It's so strange because I think that artists, creative types, musicians, theater, filmmakers, just any kind of creative type you think, sometimes are quite feared in the church. <laughs> it's something I've experienced where it's like, oh, you're an artist. <laughs> you know, and maybe you've experienced that where there's a level of, a slight bit of, we're not sure. And I, I think that's because we as creative people, and I believe that Asbury is just filled with creative people, we as creative people have the power to bring things into being. And then before this time, before Bezalel, which his name means in the shadow of God, or maybe you could translate it overshadowed by God, whichever. It's, it's translated that way. It's the first time you see somebody, and now maybe people have done this before, but it's the first time you see an artist type where their work is now being redeemed. Because remember, where did the Israelites come from? Egypt. What were the craftsmen doing? They were creating idols to Ramses and to, for him and to all the different gods that were created in, in Egypt. They were creating all of these things. So you have this artist, and let's just read this section here. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship, to make designs for working of gold and silver and bronze, and in the cutting of stones, for settings and the carving of wood, so as to perform in every inventive work. 
I think inventive is a very important word there, to create, to think about something new. Now, this is really interesting to me. It's just, why did he not choose a prophet? Why did he not choose a king? Why did he not choose a priest? I can't fully answer this, but I think that there's something to do where the power of creativity, whichever way it is, song, physical, artistry, visual, any kind of way, three-dimensional, any kind of way we create writing has the power to change our minds, and sometimes we end up worshiping the things we create, which is the problem. I think this is why we're sometimes afraid of things. This is, this is, this is probably one of the reasons why. But he's chosen this person. So we've set the stage here. God has revealed himself as creator. He's decided intentionally to first fill the person fully with the Holy Spirit is an artist to do works of creativity. Not to, even though, I mean, even though I'm speaking here, but not to preach, which seems like it would be the most reasonable thing, not to be a prophet or a, you know, or, or a priest, but to create works that reflect heaven, special knowledge touched by the Creator. Now, my story in here, I'm going to tell a little bit about my story, and I'll just tell you this. I don't presume I'm the most talented or the most creative artist that there ever was. I mean, I even think some of my students are much more creative than I am, just letting you know that. But some of this has to do with just saying yes to the Lord. Some of this has to do with submitting. And many times we think submitting to the Lord means I'm not going to sin anymore. But what if it means I will create for you? I will actually imagine for you. I will imagine things that seem ridiculous, but if you are saying them, if you are showing me these things, I will step out on the water for you, and I will do things, and I will take risks for you. What if it's actually proactive? What if surrender is proactive and not contractive? Right? I mean, it's much easier to say, I surrender, I won't do this. It's much harder to say, I surrender, I will do this thing that I've never done before, that I don't even know if I can do, that I could completely fall flat on my face. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? Okay, so my story, I did not, I came to Asbury, I'm checking time here, I came to Asbury, I did not come as an art major. Actually, my first major was ancient languages. <laughs> it's true, yes, and I love ancient languages, I love history, I love archaeology, I love I even love math, which is not common for an artist. I love science. I love these things. But something kept drawing me. You know, when I grew up, I grew up on the east coast of Florida, and I was surfing a lot with my friends. And I think my other friends were out there surfing, trying to do a lot of different things, to cut the waves up. But I found myself, as I was sitting out in the ocean, contemplating beauty. Because I would be out there off the east coast of Florida, and I would see sunsets over the ocean. It was just Maybe it was normal, maybe it wasn't, but I would just contemplate. I would just enjoy the experience of being out there. So I came here, and then I kept being drawn into beauty. Every time I saw a landscape, every time I went on a hike, I was enamored by the mystery of the landscape, of why is it that in the distance things kind of just fade off and it turns blue. It's just unbelievably beautiful. So I started painting. I started taking some art classes, and I still resisted it. You know, I just kept resisting it. And then the, the turning point for me, and this is part of my process, everybody's going to be different here. The turning point for me was I was painting these landscapes, that, you know, the baseball field, that really high point there. And I had in my heart to be a missionary. And I still do missions, and I do stuff regularly. But I, I remember 
painting this landscape, this what's called a plain air where you paint. And I'm painting looking over what we used to call the, we used to call it Death Valley the, when I was in school. We call that valley area down there. Painting over that area, and I just remember saying to the Lord, I will go anywhere you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will do anything for you. Just tell me where to go, and I will go. I will go, and I will give my life to missions. I will do, I will say whatever you want me to say. And I just heard a voice inside of myself, and I'll just explain this, is that maybe some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but the Holy Spirit, when he resides inside of you, he's so inside of you, the Lord is so inside of you that his thoughts sound like your thoughts because he's so intimate. It's not always an outside voice coming in. It's an inside thought coming through. And I just heard this voice inside of me that said, I want you to paint, which was shocking to me. I mean, I know it was painting, but who thinks that God is going to call you to do the thing that you love to do? <laughs> this is just, it's, a, it's a bad part of our, our church society. We think if, if you love something, God must not be calling you. But Dr. Hall said this. He said, sometimes remember he said this, maybe it was a week or two weeks ago, is that the thing you would do if nobody paid you to do is most likely a vocational calling. Does everybody remember that? It's a very profound statement. And um, I would do that when nobody was telling me to do that. And then suddenly he said, do this thing. And um, I remember having a conversation with my father-in-law, who was a missionary doctor at the time. I, I think I called him on the phone, and he was in another country. And he said this really profound thing to me, because I thought, is this what I'm really supposed to do? Maybe I should go back, maybe I should go back and be a doctor and be a missionary. And he said to me, Chris, it's not your job to tell the Lord how you should serve him. Which, for me, was very profound, right? Because being an artist is not like, <laughs> there's a lot of risk involved financially. I'll just <laughs> tell you that. There's a lot of risk involved, but there's a lot of joy involved, too. You get to actually do the thing you do that you, if no one has told you to do that. So my story goes on, and I'm just going to tell you some highlighted points here of things that happened to me along the way where the Holy Spirit started calling me. So the moment he said that to me on the top of the hill, I want you to paint, I said, fine, yes, I would love to do that, because all I really wanted to do was whatever Jesus wanted me to do. I just wanted to work with my father. I wanted to work with Jesus. I wanted to work alongside him. And um, here's the interesting thing, is I'd, the moment I said yes, something happened inside of me. Ability came upon me that was not on me one second earlier. Suddenly, I'd been struggling to see things in landscape. Suddenly, I saw clearly. I could understand what was happening in the distance. I could see how to translate what was going on in the landscape. It was amazing to me. It was like suddenly I remember this ability came where there was an ability five minutes earlier just because I said yes. Now, some of that is just mystery of how the Lord works. Now, the next thing that happened, that was another kind of the Lord calling me a little bit deeper. In 2006, I was, I think it was about 2006, I was in my studio, and I used to paint at night before I had kids. You can't when you have little babies, so I would be at there at 10 o'clock at night painting, and I just felt like I was going to worship the Lord before I started working my studio on it. I was working on some show, in maybe a show in Lexington. And I just heard the Holy Spirit inside of myself call me in this kind of way. He said, Chris, I want you to commit yourself to coming into the studio and working and painting, and I want you to do this, and I want you to commit yourself to listen to me before you start painting and to partner with me in what you're doing. I could sense that the Lord wanted to express himself through my work. And he said, if you will do this, he said, I will be your agent. <laughs> he said, I will make, at this point I had a hard, I had one gallery and had a hard time opening up into other galleries. I just had a hard time. He says, I will make every gallery come to you. 
I will sell the paintings that need to be sold for you. I will, do, I will provide for you. And I remember saying yes, and I remember immediately one of the first things that happened was this painting right here. Let's see if I can get it. Okay. Um, I heard this word, and this word re relates to Matthew 24. And the word, this is phrase. The phrase was, I, I was on the ground just praying, okay, Lord, just speak to me. What do you want me to, to deal with in this next series? I just heard this phrase, the days of Noah. That was it. And I, I recognized where that came from. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about him coming back soon, him coming back very, very quickly, and you won't know when he's coming. He doesn't even know. Only the Father knows when he's coming back. And then he says, it will be like the days of Noah. And I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't have the verse in front of me here, where men were eating and drinking and giving to marriage, and they didn't even know that, the, that they were, their life was in peril until they were taken away with the flood. And so it started, I just started to respond in prayer as I'm making this work with a series of just paintings and sketches. And this was the first one. I know it's kind of like a, a rough name, but it's called Reckoning. <laughs> and the idea behind this painting, the idea behind this painting is what was it like when people who had never seen rain before, because remember, in Genesis says they never saw rain. Rain come up from, came up out of the ground, a water came up out of the ground, there were streams, but they never seen precipitation fall. You're just going to believe the scripture here. What was it like when they saw the cloud? What's that in the distance? And I, I think this painting has to do with the sublime beauty where God is love, but he's also, he's not safe. <laughs> he is to be feared. He is to be feared. And um, this painting came out of that. And um, it's just interesting the response I've had from galleries. I just had a gallery called me up from Wyoming, and she, and this painting was on years ago. She goes, Chris, I just looked at this painting, reckoning, and something is happening inside of me. What is it? And I, I get to talk to people about the work through this. Now, I want to move on. I'm just going to sh share a couple of stories. This is the next painting. Now, I've chosen these paintings. These are not my most spectacular paintings, but these are paintings where there's kind of stories around them, where the Holy Spirit's moving in the middle of things. So this painting happened in 2015. I don't know if you remember when there was western fires that were so bad that it actually came across our skies. It was like September of 2015, where our skies were cloudy because of fires happening in, like, California. It's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon, very similar to what happened with the Dust Bowl. So I was just out painting, but during this time, the Lord was moving so heavily, the Holy Spirit was tangibly moving on my life, where I was not just inside myself sensing Him, I was feeling Him, and I was seeing things that I couldn't explain happen all around me, people, you know, folks being healed and things like this. And during this time, I was just aware of His presence, and I was enjoying His presence all day long. Whether I'm sleeping, whether I'm awake, I'm just aware of his presence. And so I painted this, and it's not, you know, I don't consider this my most spectacular painting. It's, it was done at the horse farm, but an interesting thing happened with this painting. So one day I had a show in Lexington, um, a group show in Main Street, uh, and um, that morning, sometime that day I was praying, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you are going to see a mighty sign and wonder today. And I was like, what could this be? What, am, what does this mean? What am I going to see? I, I didn't know what it was. I went to the gallery. I saw the gallery owner who was not you know, most of my art connections are not believers. So just tell you, I know that's not a surprise, but that's, that's generally the way it is in much of the art world, is that you have this real strong mix. It's heavily non-believing. Uh, and, you know, nothing really happened. I told her I loved her. I really enjoyed the time there, enjoyed the gallery run. And I came home thinking, I just, that did not feel like a wonder to me. <laughs> 
That felt like just a regular gallery visit. But then an interesting thing happened. Um, I got this email from this person, and I'm going to change the name because of the nature of this person. I'm just going to call this person Jane or Jack or something. And um, because I didn't know whether it was a guy or a girl, it was a name that was kind of in the middle, saying, I want to come to your studio and talk to you about your work, right? And I said, sure, come by. And at this point, I thought everything was business. At this point, I thought everything was just art business. And this person comes, when the person comes, it's a woman who's about 60, who's very well-to-do. And as she enters my doorway, I just hear the Holy Spirit say, this woman needs me. And then I'm kind of shocked thinking, what's going on here? I thought this person's coming here to buy a painting. So I'm just having this conversation. And this woman comes in, and she tells me uh, she, is, she was in town. She's a lobbyist for the United States Senate. She lives in Washington, D.C. And she just came in town. Her parents were major architects. And so she comes from the last generation. So she comes in town every once in a while, and she stops at the gallery. And she starts asking me about my work, more and more about the work. What's going on in your work? And then suddenly she says to me, Chris, this is why I'm here. She said, I came into the gallery from Washington. I saw your paintings. I thought, oh, those are interesting. And then I turned around. I looked at the paintings again. And she said, all I can say is something divine came over me. And I knew I needed to find out who this artist was. And he would tell me who God was and how I would serve him forever. So that's why I'm here. Amen. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit inside of me said, tell her everything. So <laughs> this is how you know. Sometimes you'll, people will respond in witness to what the Holy Spirit's doing. So I said, do you want to know what I mean by who Jesus is, who the Father, and the, who the, Father the, the Holy Spirit is, and what does it mean to be saved? And, and she responded with what I heard. She goes, Chris, I want to hear everything. So she sat down in my studio here on campus in front of you know, this Senate lobbyist from Washington, D.C., and I just started sharing my testimony from like 15 years old, everything. And then I said to her, do you want this? And she said, I want this right now. And so in my studio <laughs> became this holy place. And this woman received the Lord. And, you know, she wasn't a believer, and she's married to a Sikh for 38 years, you know, from, from India. So this amazing sign happened. I, first of all, I was so shocked no one told me that that was possible. <laughs> but if I'd really read my scripture, I'd recognize that God many times rests on places like the temple or objects and reveals himself in multiple ways. Um, so those are the kind of interactions I have. And generally, things like this happen. I'll just tell you one or two more, then we're gonna, we have to start moving here. But um, one of my gallery owners who is not a believer, very much not a believer, so not a believer that very proud of the adulterous relationship that had, they'd fostered, very much so. So there, was no, there wasn't even shame. There was nothing there. There was, there was you know, that, that deep where it's just like, I'm, in, I'm thankful for all, you know. Out of the blue, this woman calls me and says, Chris, I said, I said hi, I'm just going to call her. Let's call her Rebecca. That's not her name. I just want to protect people. So she, she, she calls and says, hey, Chris. I want to call and talk to you. Can you tell me your testimony? Why do you, there's something different about you, and I, I want to know, like, you're the real deal. Why do you, so I said, you're really calling me to ask me this? She says, yeah. So I got to share with her my entire testimony, and that's not the first time that kind of thing happens. It happens quite a bit inside of the gallery world where someone will call me up, a, a new gallery will say, I saw your work. This happened recently in Scottsdale, Arizona. I saw your work. 
tell me spiritually what's going on. My life has changed. Something's happening. And I get to, and then at those points, I share completely openly without any editing exactly what the Lord is saying. Now, what does this mean for you? I'm looking at the time here. We need to keep going here. I want to challenge you for one here. I want to challenge you. I, I was kind of just in my mind just playing. You have all of these departments that are so based on creativity. I'm going to say that at least 50% of the Asbury campus believes that they are creative people, if not artists. They may not say, I'm a painting artist, but you believe you're in a creative field, at least 50%, maybe more. I think there's creative fields in all of them. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, if you in your heart want to partner with the Holy Spirit, you want to receive from Him, you want to surrender your creativity. Now, what do I not mean by that? What I don't mean by that is, I don't do anything fun anymore. (laughs) What I actually mean by that is entering into an amazing adventure. I'm not even telling you half of the amazing stuff that I've seen the Holy Spirit do that is so profound, that's so full and so whole that I've seen in my life. But if you feel that call that you know you are creative and you've been trying to put these things together, how do I follow the Lord completely and surrender myself to the creativity of God and to completely partner with Him and to be walking in wholeness in my creativity? I just want to invite you. I want to invite you to stand, and I just want to pray over you. This is the call today, and I just want the Lord to release something on you, a greater ability. I want you to be able to experience Him in your creative field so that you don't feel like He's over there and I'm here. I want you to be whole with the Lord, one with the Lord. I want you to to be walking in step with Him in your creative fields, right? Because one of the things I've found, and I know that there's a fear in a lot of folks, folks— a lot of folks feel, Christians sometimes feel this, is that if I surrender to the Lord in my creative field, I'll be less creative. I want to let you know that I've seen overwhelmingly in the non-believing world that I don't even know, my pangs are okay, whatever. But I've seen a response to something where the Holy Spirit's acting in my work that's only Him, that I've seen happen, that opens eyes. And the Lord wants to rest on your creative work in such a way where it actually becomes a meeting place for the world to come to know Jesus. Does that make sense? And another thing I don't mean, it does not necessarily mean that you have to write a narrative about Jesus. He just wants to rest on your work. He wants you to completely partner with him. So I'm going to ask you to do something brave. If if you are creative and, and if you stand up, it doesn't mean that you think you're better than other people. It means that something inside of you has been pulled towards beauty, creative things, you could be a writer. It could be whatever you do. You could be in science. You want to come up with a new formula for something. So, anybody want that? Don't be afraid. I'm standing too.